0: Hi and welcome to our sixth podcast on medical statistics. This time we're going to look at um, some of the properties of binary tests, in particular sensitivity, specificity, uh, positive predictive value, negative predictive value, and then we're also going to look at the power of a statistical test. So what is a binary test? Well it's a test where the outcome is either positive or negative. we come across lots of such tests um, so faecal occult blood testing, positive or negative, um, urease breath testing, positive or negative. And then there are some tests which are not obviously binary, but can be thought of in binary terms. Uh, so D-dimers in looking for DVT. Whilst we get, we get a numeric outcome there, which can range from zero to you know thousands, we can think of it as a binary test by saying that it's positive when the D-dimers are significantly raised, negative when they're normal. Um, and we're going to think about uh, binary tests and their sensitivity, specificity, uh, positive predictive value, and negative predictive value. I'm sure you've heard about these before, and if you're anything like me, then it's easy to get them confused amongst each other. And the way I like to think about it are, are to think about what happens when I'm in clinic. Um, and in clinic, I have a scenario where I meet a patient before a test has been done, and then I'm thinking about sensitivity and specificity or I meet a patient who's come back to see me after they've had a test then I'm thinking about positive predictive value and negative predictive value. Now this may well not be the first time that you've seen this 2x2 table uh, but it describes all of the um, scenarios when we're testing a patient for a disease using a binary test. If the individual doesn't have the disease and tests negative then that's a true negative result. If they do not have the disease but test positive for it, then that's called a false positive. If they do if they do have the disease but test negative for it, that's a false negative. Um, and if they do have the disease and test positive for it, then that's a true result and it's a true positive. Now in this situation we can um, think about the test in terms of its sensitivity and specificity and its positive and negative predictive value. So let's go on first to think about sensitivity and specificity. And So the example we're going to use is in urology clinic. Um, So you're in urology clinic and a worried man has been referred to you. Um, He hasn't had any tests at all but he's concerned that he might have prostate cancer and he wants his PSA testing. And So you've agreed you're going to send him off to have a PSA test. Now at this point the question that you want to know about the test that you're sending off is if this man has cancer what's the chance that his PSA is going to be raised and that's the sensitivity of the test and the other thing you're interested in is if this man does not have cancer what's the chance of the PSA not being raised that's the specificity of the test we can go back to our 2 by 2 table and figure out how we would work these numbers out. So sensitivity, if this man has cancer, what are the chances of the test coming back as positive? Let's put it another way, um, what proportion of people with prostate cancer will have a positive PSA? And so the formula you can see on the right hand side there, on the numerator we have true positives. So people with prostate cancer who have tested positive with a PSA and in the denominator we have all of the people with prostate cancer. So the true positives are those with prostate cancer who test positive and the false negatives are those with prostate cancer who test negative. So that's sensitivity. Specificity, so we're sat in clinic, if this man doesn't have prostate cancer what are the chances that he will test negative? Or to put that another way, of all of the people who do not have prostate cancer, what proportion of them will test negative with the BSA? So in the numerator, we get the true negatives. So those who don't have prostate cancer who test negative. And in the denominator, we get all of the people who don't have prostate cancer. And they're comprised of the true negatives and the false positives. So that's how I like to remember specificity and sensitivity. So let's move on. So uh, now you're in outpatient clinic again and you have a man in front of you who has been away for his PSA test and he has come back to you to find out the result of his test. Now what you're interested in is if the result that I have is positive, how likely is it? that this man in front of me has cancer? Or if the result is negative, what are the chances that this man does not have cancer? So now let's look at those two formulae at the bottom of the table. First let's think about positive predictive value. So if this test has come back positive, what is the chance that the man sat in front of me has cancer? So to work that out, first we look at Um, the true positives, so the test has come back positive and the man has cancer. And we want to look at that as a proportion of all of the positive test results. So on the the denominator we've got the true positives and the false positives as well. So that's positive predictive value. Negative predictive value, given that this test has come back as negative, what are the chances that this man really does not have cancer? So on the top we've got the true negatives. those negative tests for patients who really don't have cancer and we want to know that as a proportion of all of the negative tests and so in the denominator we've got the true negatives and the false negatives. So that's how I, I like to remember the difference between specificity and sensitivity and positive predictive value and negative predictive value. So let's think of an analogous situation where instead of a clinical test we have a hypothesis test. So where a a clinical test is carried out on an individual who may or may not have disease and the test comes back as either positive or negative at least if it's a binary test, a hypothesis test is carried out on some data uh, where the null hypothesis may or may not be true um, and the hypothesis test either gives us cause to reject the null hypothesis or to not reject the null hypothesis. So here's our two-by-two table. And you can see I've switched the headings. Um, So before, where we had um, an individual with disease, now we've got the null hypothesis is false. Where we had an individual that didn't have disease, we've got the true null hypothesis. Um, And where we had um, a positive test result, now we have um, we reject the null hypothesis. And where we had a negative test result, we've got don't reject the null hypothesis. So we've set up our study, we've got some data, and we're doing our hypothesis test. Now, either the null hypothesis is true or the null hypothesis is false. We don't know that, and that's why we're doing our hypothesis test. But suppose the null hypothesis is true, and we do our statistical test, and we end up not rejecting the null hypothesis. Well, that's great. We've done the right thing, then. Or suppose that the null hypothesis, in fact, is false, and we do our hypothesis test, and we say we're going to reject the null hypothesis. Well that's great, because we've done the right thing in that case. Um, If we get the situation where the null hypothesis is true but we reject it then that's an error. If we have the situation where the null hypothesis is false and we reject it, or the null hypothesis is false but we don't reject it then that's an error as well. Um, So what are the chances of us not rejecting the null hypothesis and the null hypothesis being true. That's that uh, blue shaded rectangle. Well, think back to our diagram here. Um, If the null hypothesis is true uh, then the sample that we've taken for our study uh, comes from the null hypothesis which I've represented as this normal normal distribution here. What's the chances of us not rejecting it? Uh, Well that's the chance of us getting a value which lies to the left of our red line here. Um, and That that chance depends on where we've set our um, significance level, or our confidence level. So if we've decided that a p-value of 0.05 is what we're going to call a significant p-value, then the chances of us not rejecting the null hypothesis is 0.95. If we've decided on a p-value of 0.1 then the chances of us not rejecting the null hypothesis is nine, um, and so the type of the the probability of us making a type one error is the likelihood that under the null hypothesis uh, the um, the value that we've got lies to the right of that line, um, and I hope you can see that the chances of that happening is just the confidence level that we've set. So if we've said that we're going to call um, a significant result one which has a p-value of 0.05 then the chance of us making a type 1 error if the null hypothesis is true is 0.05 So let's think a bit about type 2 errors instead. So what's the chance that we reject the null hypothesis and the null hypothesis is actually false? that is to say what's the chance of our study correctly concluding con- correctly concluding that our experimental hypothesis is true this is really what we're hoping for when we set up our study and this is called the power of our study let's think a bit more about that and if you think about it uh, the power is analogous to uh, the sensitivity of a test so If the person has the disease, what's the chance uh, that they test positive? The analogy here is if the null hypothesis is false, what's the chance that we reject it? So power can be thought of as the sensitivity of a statistical test. Anyway, let's think about our example from last week, which was estimated blood loss in emergency AAA repair. Now, this blue line here represents uh, the distribution um, under the null hypothesis. For our hypothesis test, uh, we will not reject the null hypothesis if our sample mean lies to the left of this red line. Now let's suppose that there really is a difference. Um, So our consultant does have a higher estimated blood loss um, than actual. And suppose that um, our consultant's average estimated blood loss is represented by this line. What's the chance of us making a type 2 error? That is, what's the chance of us not rejecting the null hypothesis uh, when we really should do? Well, let's suppose that um, estimated blood loss is distributed normally um, and we've only got nine observations, like last week. Um, Then the mean estimated blood loss that we observe will be normally distributed around our dashed line. Let's suppose that this is the the distribution of the sample mean for our consultant's estimated blood loss. The chances of us making a type 2 error is this shaded area. Now, What happens if we increase our sample size? Well, the standard deviation of our sampling distribution would become smaller. And so it would look maybe a bit more like that. And so that shaded area has now become smaller. The type the, cha- the chance of us making a type two error has decreased, and so the power of our test has increased. So there you can see our smaller shaded area, um, and that area shaded um, is the chance of um, our sample mean lying below the point where we would not reject the null hypothesis that is to say that's the chance of us not rejecting the null hypothesis but the null hypothesis really being false so that's the chance of making a type 2 error and our power is 1 minus that so when that area becomes smaller the power of our test increases another thing which can affect the power of our test is what's called the magnitude of effect. So uh, if you remember the, the shaded area that we had, suppose in fact that um, our consultant's average estimated blood loss uh, was even higher, so it looked something more like this, then you can see that that shaded area will have decreased. And so the power of our test has increased. So now that we've got a greater magnitude of effect, the chance of our um, sample of blood losses having a mean which is less than that red line, uh, that is less than the value where we would not reject the null hypothesis, that chance has become smaller, so our shaded area has become smaller, the chance of us making a type 2 error has become smaller, and so the power of our test has increased. Um, and another thing that influences power is what criteria we use for statistical significance. So suppose the red line where it is now represents um, a p-value of 0.05, um, and you can see where the shaded area would be. If we relaxed that criteria and said, okay, well let's let's say that uh, the test is going to be significant with a p-value of 0.8. which looks something like that, then you can see that the shaded area becomes smaller again, and so the power of our test has increased. So now that we've moved our red line to the left, that is, we've relaxed our criteria for significance, the chance um, of um, our sample of our consultant's blood losses having a mean which lies below that red line is smaller so that is to say the chance of us making a type 2 error has become smaller and so the power of our test has increased. So we've talked about three factors which influence power. Uh, We've said that a larger sample size increases power, that a larger magnitude of effect will increase power, that a more lax uh, criteria for significance will increase power. Now that's not to say that these are the only three things which affect power, and they're not the only three things which affect power, but they are three things which are always present in any study, Um, so they're three important determinants of power. So, to summarise what we've talked about this time, uh, we've talked about binary tests, and in particular we've talked about sensitivity, specificity, positive predictive value, and negative predictive value. And I hope I gave you a way of thinking about them which will help help you remember which is which. Um, and then we've talked about statistical power, um, kind of in the context of binary tests. We talked about how uh, you can think of power as being the um, analogous concept to sensitivity. And we've talked about um, some factors which influence statistical power.